Hello and welcome to the Mountain Conversations podcast, the show that celebrates the beautiful planet we call home. Each episode, alongside an expert who is passionate about their subject, we will take you on a journey to get you excited about the topic. This is a show about hope and positivity, and it's my hope that by learning something new each episode about the work of amazing people who dedicate their lives to making a difference, you will be inspired to take action and get involved in the efforts to preserve our beautiful home, planet Earth. I'm Charlie, and this is Mountain Conversations. And thank you for joining me for the last episode of 2022. That feels weird to say, where's this year gone? Um, in this episode, I managed to have the chance to chat to author Raina Wynn at the Kendall Mountain Festival. Just a really short conversation. Everyone was super busy, but I was really grateful to get the chance to sit down with her. And I hope you enjoy our chat. Right, hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Mountain Conversations podcast. I am here at the Brewery Arts Centre of the Kendall Mountain Festival and it's been so brilliant to sit and chat to so many wonderful people with all different stories and um, to chat about another story is author Raina Wynn. Hi Raina. Hi, great to see you here. Do you prefer Ray? (laughs) Yes, definitely. Sorry. Um, We met briefly online the other day, you were a guest author at my, um, as I'm sure the listeners know I'm studying a Masters in Nature and Travel Writing and you did an amazing sort of questions and answer session about your sort of writing journey which was really inspiring so thank you, thank you for that. First question, I suppose, is I want to know about your journey into nature. Is it something that you've always you've always been linked to? Is it something new for you? I know for for perhaps people who haven't read your books and don't know your story, um, is nature something that came later in life for you, or was it something from? No, I think nature's always been part of my life. In fact, I'm beginning to think it's probably in my DNA somewhere because I grew up on a farm and so my whole childhood was spent in the fields, in the woods, just basically being out in nature. That was was my whole, like, childhood instruction manual came from the natural world, so that's, it's always been there. So from from literally from birth, running around the farm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. And do you think that has sort of, influenced the, the the sort of the choices you made as you went on your different journeys and stuff that's I think so I think it definitely has even if it was been subconsciously yeah. um, I've made decisions that have been knowledgeably about being in nature you know I've chosen to live in very rural isolated places Mm -hmm. but then I've made other decisions that I thought I was making completely independent of the natural world but looking back on were probably instructed by that that really deep connection to nature when you think about it yeah yeah I suppose when you say about where to live and stuff I I deliberately try and live as far away from people as I can at the minute I've had to move into a town because of a lack of rental properties yeah. but you know it's still if I had a choice I think but then I grew up in rural Yorkshire and then rural France so I had a similar kind of experience to you yeah it's so, that same thing it's yeah. so imprinted on you it's yeah. hard to move away from it definitely and I suppose with mm. my my own kids you know we lived in North Wales so they were up the mountains every weekend and stuff and I think they're very much that's normal for them now um, whereas to keep them inside you know, is impossible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My children grew up in the same same sort of way that 
that I did in North Wales. Yeah. They grew up, sort of, as you said, in the mountains, on the beaches, and it's it's part of who they are now. Yeah, even even though my daughter lives in the city, it's still part of who she is. Yeah, and it. it does inform us. Important, isn't it? And I think, I I suppose, I know we're not talking directly about your book, but when we think about nature, and so I suppose my own journey into nature, sort of, I always call it like the healing process and the, the healing power that nature has just being outside and I know that I'm well I imagine that's something you can relate to well it absolutely does I think I think I know now at this at this end of my life Mm. um, that uh, all those times of stress and difficulty in life that's where I've headed I've headed out into the natural world and it's subconsciously been something that's drawn me Mm -hmm. it's drawn me to that place where I feel a piece, I think, yeah. or a tease, or at least, if nothing else, myself. Yeah. And and I think that's what's always drawn me to those places. Yeah. I find when I'm up a mountain or walking along the shingle ridge near my house, it's the only time when my mind is quiet. Yes. There's something about that. There's something about being out in nature, especially when you're walking, mm. that just allows everything else to fall away. Yeah. And it just becomes about your motion through the natural world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an almost primeval, instinctive thing, that it's where we belong. Yeah. Is that what sort of, was it that feeling that inspired you to then go out and do take on your journey? Not at the time. I think at the time, especially when we walked the Southwest Coast Path, I was just following a map. Mm-hmm. But really, looking back on it, I know now it was because at a time when everything else had fallen apart in my life, yeah. I was going to the one place where I always felt safe. Yeah. I was going out into the natural world in that place that felt like home. Yeah. And that, that, so I know now that's what I was doing. At the yeah. time, I didn't realise that. No, it's funny, isn't yeah. it? That as you say, you were just drawn back to it, yeah. and it was just like yeah. a, something pulling you back. Yeah. Was your husband the same? Did he have those same feelings? He or? was the same. Although he'd grown up on the edge of a town, yeah. he'd all his life had to sort of draw to the wild places, mm. to the mountains, yeah. to the coast, to the edge, really. Yeah. And I think, I think so. Together, we'd we'd spent our formative years together, mm-hmm. just discovering those wild places and so it was actually a perfectly natural thing to do to to retreat there Mm -hmm. when everything else went wrong. I find that I feel and I, I, I was I was chatting to Sophie Pavel another author earlier that and she said as well that she feels more in control in nature almost like because when I'm walking around not not necessarily somewhere like this but somewhere a big busy city I just feel completely lost and like I do. Yeah. I, I don't have a very high tolerance level of urban areas no. and I can't be there for too long. But I don't know if for me it's got anything to do with control. Mm. I think it's maybe a lack of need for control. Yeah. And, and I don't need to control anything. I can simply be. Yeah. And I think maybe it's that for I me. I suppose it's that yeah. more of a letting go. Yeah, it's more of a letting yeah, go. It is for me, yeah. the opposite. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I suppose when you're somewhere like you feel claustrophobic. I have to feel con- in control yeah. in a place like this. I have to feel like I'm yeah. thinking about what I'm doing. Whereas when I'm out in the natural world, there is no thought. It's just move. being. You can just sit. It's just being. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can just sit and watch, can't you? Yeah. You don't have to be thinking about anything. Exactly. Um, exactly. Do you, there's still a lot of talk about accessibility to nature and inclusivity. And I've said it a few times in episodes I've recorded this weekend that I never came to any festivals like this or anything because I thought they weren't for me. I thought they were for only for elite Everest climbers and things which you know are incredible people but I thought that it wouldn't be for people like me who are just sort of leisure hikers you know I I go up to look at the view (laughs) kind of thing but now I'm kind of realizing that 
it isn't, it's for everybody. And I think it's really important to sort of talk about how, how we can improve that accessibility to nature. I, th I think it's absolutely essential because without accessibility to the natural world, how are any of us going to actually realise how integral we are to it, how we are part of it, not just not just something we see on the TV, how we are actually part of the natural world. If we don't understand that, there's no way we're going to protect it, there's no way we're going to save it at all. No, absolutely, and I suppose a big word that keeps coming up throughout these episodes is disconnect. Yes. And you know, you say seeing nature on a screen yeah. is it, nothing can replicate the feeling of actually, you know, touching touching something or smelling something or you no, know, it's no. I know and I know one of the um, exercises that um, on my master's course that Stephen Moss um, had us doing um, a few weeks ago was closing our eyes and going out into a place and writing about the other senses and using the other senses because it's all right to say you know there's a wall there there's a you know some starlings have just flown over but to talk about how it actually makes you feel rather than what you can see it's so much deeper and you can't experience that no. without accessing it I, I think access is actually one of the most essential conversations we need to have mm -hmm. when we're talking about everything whether it's whether it's just teaching our children that good nature is a thing even yeah. or whether it's talking about the big issue of climate change access is at the core of all of that yeah. and i think i think i've witnessed you know real differences in attitudes towards our connection to nature in areas in the north okay. where there's more access to areas in the south where there is no access yeah. really and i think i think it's something we really need to consider as a priority yeah were you when you were walking in sort of the rural areas were you i've just been chatting to at least gofield about sort of the attitudes towards incomers and perhaps tourists and things and is that something you experienced negatively or where you were was it? Well I've, I've lived in a rural Britain all of my life yeah. and um, in the incomer and the tourist is an issue in every rural yeah. part of the country because because people whose livelihoods are there feel invaded by the incomer. Um, but there are ways of striking a balance. There are ways of, of allowing those people to, to live their normal life in that area whilst allowing the access. And um, we've, we've got to look for that balance, I think. Do you think sort of this whole right to roam campaigning that is coming up would sort of would that help to spread spread the load, I suppose, on the countryside? Right to roam is a really difficult issue mm. because having you know, as a farmer's daughter, yeah. I, I understand both sides of it. Yeah. I've walked the length of the country, mm. but I'm also a farmer's daughter. Yes. So I understand that most people need access to the countryside, but that other people make their livelihoods there. Absolutely, yeah. And that yeah. is difficult. But what I'd like to see is is access routes through the countryside. Yeah, okay. I really think it's possible that we can create lines of natural movement through the country, whether we follow the, the trails, whether we, we link it through footpaths, but ways in which people can just readily travel through the countryside and just keep moving, keep moving and just keep going until they reach any, any part of the country. It has to be so. And it's possible, it's not difficult. It creates needs a little bit of fencing and a little Pedestrian bit of forethought. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, that's what we need. So if you could say anything to someone who's listening to this who perhaps isn't quite as connected to nature as they would like to be or perhaps they don't know how to be, what's the first step that people can take? 
I think look at your local area because this is a country of the most incredible network of footpaths, mm -hmm. footpaths, trails, ways. It's it's we are so lucky in this country, and there, there are hardly any areas of the country that don't have access to an incredible footpath system. Mm -hmm. And just get get your an OS map to your local yeah. area and find them because go out there and it's the first step take the first step simply by taking the first I'm gonna step I'm going to show you my t-shirt now <laughs> see what it says just take the first step <laughs> my goodness and there I just want to confirm that Ray hasn't already seen that t-shirt I so. haven't seen that t-shirt <laughs> how funny meant to be <laughs> brilliant well I think we'll end there because I know we're all all over the place I know you've got an event soon um, which I'm sure is going to be brilliant my mum's coming to see it because she's, oh, she's read all of your books and she's oh, a super fan um, so yeah but I just wanted to say thank you so much um, for sitting and chatting with me I love to hear different people's opinions of all these different issues and sort of yeah. you know gather all of these yeah. stories to share and say that no one's journey is the same and well that's know. the wonder of something like Kendall exactly yeah the that's, power that's of what it. it is the, the power. power of talking and the power of connection yes. so thank you very much and I hope you have a brilliant festival so. oh thank you <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Ray as much as I did. It was it was brilliant to just be able to sit down with her. We were outside the green room um, at Kendall Mountain Festival. It was a bit cold. It was quite loud. But it was really, really nice to just have that moment where it was just me and Ray just chatting. And I think it's so important to listen to people's experience and to learn from people's experience. And if you haven't read any of Raina's books, then I fully recommend you get out there and grab them and make them the first thing you read in 2023. Obviously, this is the last episode of 2023, so I suppose I'd better do like a little roundup. Um, this year's been a whirlwind. Never in my life did I think that I would be recording podcast episodes with Doug Allen, with Chris Packham, with incredible Strictly Come Dancing winner Hamza Yassine. Congratulations to Hamza too, by the way. I... I'm so grateful to all of you listeners. I'm so grateful to everyone that's just subscribed, followed, shared, interacted with, listened to the podcast because without you all listening, there would be no point to this. When I was up a mountain a year ago and thought, you know what, I'm going to make a podcast. That's exactly what I did, but I never thought it would sort of um, take off in the way that it has. So I'm really grateful to all of you. Obviously, I can't wrap up the year without talking about my collaboration series with the Marine Conservation Society. That's been absolutely brilliant. I've managed to talk to some great people who are really working on the front line and making real change. And I've been really, I feel really privileged to be able to talk to those people and to be able to share their story. So all that's left to say is thank you. I hope you have an incredible new year. And I hope you come back to join me for more chats with incredible people because all I want to do is talk about the beautiful world that we have and share my passion and my guests' passion. And there's so much incredible change-making work going on, so much incredible adventure going on, and I'm so excited to bring that to you. So thank you very much. Happy New Year. I'm Charlie, and this has been Mountain Conversations. <laughs>